Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us for Integrity Leadership Class. We are now on book three. Oh, we are now on book three of Conversations with God. And I want to start off on page 296. Page 296. And one of the things that I underlined because I thought it was... Well, it stood out to me. Page 296, it's actually the second paragraph, and it says, only in the presence of the thing called small can the thing called big be experienced. Only in the presence of the thing called small can the thing called big be experienced. So when I read this, I was like, okay, so that has a lot to it. While it may seem simple, it, there's so much more to it. And me and Grace was talking about it. And Grace was like, so, so I'm going to use, I'm gonna use uh, Reggie as, Reginald as an example. So when me and Grace stand next to Reginald, that's when we can experience small because it's, we, that's when we experience a thing called small. But that's when we can experience a thing called big because we're smaller. So because we're small, we can experience what's in, what, what is big. Reggie is a lot taller than us <laughs> by a few feet. Couple Actually, inches. It's like a foot and some inches. But still, it's a couple, not a couple like, you, you, like you a whole yardstick taller than us. <laughs> but, but still, so... When you look at it that way, the things that are small in your life can't be considered small unless it's placed against something that's considered big. So that car accident that you had, you consider it big when you put it up against the fact that you probably, you, you survived, like you survived. So that's a big thing. Or let's talk about your bank account. That one comma seems small when you put it, when you experience two commas. Like, I'm, I'm trying to bring the words because I have the understanding in my head and my heart, but I'm trying to put it into words. So I would love for you guys to give your opinions on what it is. And, and for, for those of you just joining us, we're in Conversations with God, book three, chapter one on page. Actually, it's not even chapter one. It's the introduction. It's on page 296, and it says, only in the presence of a thing called small can the thing called big be experienced. So, Reverend Reginald, what is your thoughts on that? Uh, well, by the way that you explain it using my height, uh, I guess only what you can experience or what you can, what you can, I guess, see with your naked eye is, is what you're going to come into a conclusion with as far as uh, when you use my height, you and Grace and, and me as well. Uh, it's the only thing that you can see as far as what's, what's small and what's not so, uh, and, and what's, what's also tall. So I guess it's the same thing as far as obstacles, I guess, you know what I mean? As far as what's, what's a small obstacle, what's a, what's a, what's a, what's a, a large obstacle, you know what I'm saying? What, what seems, what seems small is really not that small, and what seems large is really not that large when it comes to obstacles, because it just depends on how you handle it or depends on how you tackle it. And that's the way that I'm kind of looking at it, because 
sometimes we look at something as a situation that is probably so big that we can't, you know, get through it or it's just so tough to get through. But really, when you actually do it, it really wasn't that big at all. You just made it up in your mind, but you can't make up in your mind that I'm six foot six and you two foot three because that's a fact. <laughs> but as far as, you know, obstacles come, yeah, we look at a task like that that is so tall and so large and enormous that we probably don't want to tackle it with as much enthusiasm, probably don't want to tackle it with that much energy. But if you do just as much as you, you would, if you, if you knew it was a small task, then you're still overcoming. I mean, that's that's my take on it. I look at it as obstacles. I can't look at it as height because I don't think none of now one of y'all in Rikaza is taller than I am unless somebody is out there. But so far, I guess I'm the tallest, so I'll hold that torch for a little bit. I think, no, I don't even think, I don't even think Chris is as tall as you. Chris is up there. He, he up there. I he's sized him. Three. I sized, he ain't no 6'3". I done sized him up already. Two days ago, I decided to him up. This boy ain't no six. That boy is six five. <laughs> he said you six five. You ain't no six three. He sized you up already. <laughs> he's six three with his shoes off. I done already sized he him said up. He's six three with your shoes off. <laughs> All right. All right. So only in the presence of the thing called small can the thing called big be experience. Who else would like to comment on that? The floor is open. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next one that caught my attention. And I really like this one. And I, and I would really love for some participation on this one because like I said, so on page 310. No, you stole on mine. Page You're three. stealing. You're stealing. I'm stealing. Go ahead, dear. You're Take stealing. it. Go ahead. You, Take it off. Was you, I'm going to let you gonna, have Was you, you going to go? I always was taught to fear God. Was you, was you going in that direction? Come on, sir. <laughs> I knew you was going in that direction. I already had mine marked. I knew you, you, you trying to jump ahead. Don't you try to jump ahead. Cause I was always oh, taught to, yeah, I was always taught to fear God. I knew you was gonna try to steal, but I ain't gonna let you steal this one. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a couple of these first before we even dip. And yes, participation is is a must. They say I know, and you have been paralyzed in your relationships with me ever since. That's very interesting. The first sentence, point blank, period. Then it says yeah. it was only when you stopped fearing me that you could create any kind of meaningful relationship with me. Before we even continue, excuse me, I want somebody to chime in on that. It says, it was only when you stopped fearing me that you could create any kind of meaningful relationship with me. What does that mean to you? I want people to, I want to know what does that mean to them when they stop fearing and, and, and you created your, what kind of meaningful relationship with him? What does that mean to you? The moment you stop fearing them and you created your own relationship with them. That's basically well, what he said. I know for me, when I stopped fearing being in his presence, 
when I stopped running from him, when I stopped fearing that he would not accept me because of all the crazy stuff that I've done, when I moved past that and I actually understood that no matter what, he loves me and he's always been there. So when I was doing the crazy crap, he was there. When I was crying myself to sleep, he was there. When I was in my house and couldn't go anywhere because I messed up and had my license revoked and car repossessed and all of that, he was there. When I was out drinking and driving and should not have been and dozed off at the, at the wheel, he was there. <laughs> you know, when I realized all of that, when I removed that fear of just being open with God, like, and I, I know that sounds weird, but when you when you grow up taught taught to fear God, you grow up when you when you grow up taught and you're taught to fear God, you grow up not really having a relationship with him. It's just like your parents. There are certain parents that you have a relationship with and then there are certain parents that you grow up fearing. So you don't really have a relationship with the parent that you fear. You just either stay away from them or do everything you can to stay in their good grace because you're afraid of the consequences but when you actually just sit back and be like okay you know what god here i am when i did that i was able to breathe i was able to actually have a relationship with god not going to church not singing in the choir not yeah. being on the praise team not you know, being on the praise dance team, not being on the usher board, not being, you know, uh, on the in the hospitality ministry. I didn't have to do all that to have a relationship with him. And when I realized that, my relationship with him changed. I talk to him more now than I do ever. I go to him, I've been like, and I'll tell him, I'm like, okay, and this is something that I didn't know I could talk to him. But when I, when I, when I released my fear of him, I started talking to him. And when I started talking to him and having a relationship with him, that's when things started changing for me. Like I would, I tell people all the time, they think I'm joking, but I'll look up at God and be like, okay, look, you know, this child, you know, I'm hardheaded. You know, you got to, you got to tell me, you got to come down here and tell me Deanna do this. And when he does do that, I still be like, okay, look, are you serious? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? Because I have questions. Like, I actually have the conversation with him. So when you remove your fear of God, you actually start having conversations with him like you and I are talking. And so once I did that, I, my relationship with him grew. Like, I actually, instead of, me, instead of me just knowing God exists, I actually have a relationship with him. So that's what happened for me when I removed fear when it came to God. I had to define fear. First thing first, mm. had to define fear. What type of fear? Because uh, you know, as a child, you, as a child, I feared, I feared my dad. Why did I fear my dad? Because if I disappointed him, I was going to get a punishment. Mm -hmm. So now you perform different when you're in fear of getting hurt. Understand? Even if it's physical, even if it's just verbal, you understand what I'm saying? But then you had to figure out that fear. Like, okay, mm -hmm. so. Once you figure out God going to love you regardless of what decision that you make, period. He said that. He promised that to you. So once you had found out what yep. that fear was, then you could take on, you could take on, uh, take on life with a different, with, with a different look on your shoulders. Cause 
you as a child, I've been, you know, saying thinking about it. I don't want to. You really don't want to live in fear like that, though. You know what I'm saying? You're not gonna. You're gonna it's like you're gonna be walking on eggshells. You, you know what I'm saying? Because every time you gotta look around your corner, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Is this the way that they want me to do it? Listen to the words I'm saying. Is this the way they want me to do it? Is this the way that God want me to do it? Well, which way is the way God want me to do it? You understand what I'm saying? So I'm a, I'm gonna speed up to when I got older and the experience I had as far as uh, probation, jail, and all that other stuff. You know, uh, the fear of, okay, if I don't do what these people tell me to do, I'm going to go to jail or this is going to happen to me, period. But at the end of the day, I'm going to make a decision to either do what I want to do or do what they ask me to do. And then at the end of the day, they boil down to doing what's the right thing to do. And at the time, you know what I'm saying, I chose to do the wrong thing, but the wrong thing ended up making me do the right thing. Uh, did y'all catch... Or was that just too much tongue twisting? Because doing the wrong thing <laughs> end up getting doing the wrong thing really end up making me do the right thing because I had to learn from it. So I had something to learn from because of this choice that I made, and it wasn't out of fear; it was just being out of hard headedness. And it wasn't really hard headedness because I already made up my mind: this is what I was going to do, and this is what I'm going to do anyway. And whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen to me anyway. And once I find out why, in the green pasture, I call it the green pasture. After making another choice, God gonna be with you whatever. It don't matter what side of the fence on, he's gonna be with you whatever. So I had hey. to find out the definition. Yes. Um, Dion and Reggie, it's kind of been bothering me for a while here. And then today when we had the the class and I heard so much fear and uh, all the, uh, these type of things today on the call. And I realized that I didn't have that growing up. And, and I know a lot of people are on the, you know, went to the Baptist church and, you know, they were talking about the Baptist church today and how, how, how that was projected to you. And I, I didn't go to a Baptist church. I went to a Methodist church and it wasn't all the time. And I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to do that. I wasn't, I didn't grow up in what you would call a church. And I just had, uh, I didn't even have, I knew it was there and I knew God was there, but I, it was no personal relationship. I just had a kind of happy-go-lucky childhood, you know, the normal stuff with your brothers and the normal stuff. I mean, not that I didn't go through things because I did, and you've heard me tell of those things but I didn't have any fear of God. I didn't really know God. Um, so I, you know, at the levels that supposedly when they were telling you, you know, you must do this and you must do that and this will happen. And I know so many of you felt that and it really breaks my heart to hear that. And that some people are still overcoming that, that were on these calls in their, into their thirties and, and how it affected them in their teenage years and in their 20s and and just getting through that and I'm, I feel like I didn't have to deal with that but I didn't have that personal relationship and that took a while and now I just I don't fear God I think once I got through confessing all my sins over time and
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Remembering all my sins and talking to him about my sins and, and all those things. Once I felt like I got all those out, it's more of a praise and a, and a good, happy feeling. And that I don't, I don't fear. I fear a lot of things, but I don't fear God. <laughs> I run to God when I have fear. Mm. Now, Miss Susan, I do understand what you're saying because I grew up in a Methodist church as well. And my my fear when I read when I release my fear of God, that's when I develop a relationship with him, like you were saying, that relationship. But my fear stemmed from where my fear stemmed from I was afraid to go to God in the condition that I was in. I was afraid to go to him broken. I was afraid to go to him dirty. I was afraid to go to him any other kind of way than in in a perfect position because in my in my eyes, God is perfect and I shouldn't dare to paint his sanctuary or, or even like he has no time for somebody like me. You know, he's working with the people who, you know, he called to do whatever he called them to do. And once I moved past that, once I moved past the fear of even going to God, once I got through all of that, and what helped me was into, there was a gentleman who used to come into our office, like, he would just randomly stop by. And one day, and Antonio being Antonio, it's like, yeah, man, just come on anytime. So he would randomly stop by, but it wasn't random. He stopped by right when he needed to come. And one day they were talking about Isaiah and how, I'm trying to remember who it was that that had passed away and they were in the temple and that's when God was in there and his they were saying how his his robe filled filled the room and you know he was and Isaiah was in there and he was like you know God was like okay so who who shall go now and he was like Isaiah was like I, I'm I can't go I like I can't do anything I'm dirty you know I'm dirty from the inside out there's nothing that I can do to help you and God reached out, and I'm paraphrasing, but God reached out and touched him and said, okay, now you're clean, so will you go? And he was like, man, it, if it's that easy, yeah, then I'll go for me, you know? And, but it was it was a whole process of no matter what he did, in God's eyes, it was like, that's, that's nothing. That is nothing for me. I forgave you a long time ago. If you just forgive yourself and come to me, you know, just, and, and that right there, the, the, when I realized that no matter what I did, God still wanted a relationship with me, that fear went away. 
and then I was able to build that relationship with him. So it's amazing how fear of any kind will stop you from having a relationship with God, just simply having a conversation with him. So Ms. Susan, I thank you very much for sharing with, with us. And it's just amazing. It, it, it used to amaze me, but now more and more that my eyes are open, I see the differences in the decisions that we make, how they affect our children. While you grew up, you said that, you know, I didn't grow up fearing God. I just didn't really have a relationship with him. And now I do, whereas others grow up fearing him. Like there are some people who are afraid to squish a bug because they, they are in fear of the judgment of God. You know, so the more and more I grow and develop, the more and more I'm seeing where the stem from is just because of our perception. Like Antonio, was, he tells a story if he doesn't mind telling us again, because I don't want to destroy it about his, how he used to view God, you know, what his fear in God was, and how, because, and he does it wonderfully, and it's just, and I'm asking him, because it's an example of the differences in how we perceive God. Oh, we, we're talking about, oh, the story that you used to tell us um how you viewed god so because of how you viewed him determined your relationship with him so i'm adopted i grew up without parents so for me god is an adopting father just ran not randomly but graciously picking people children kids adults who are not in who are not Hebrew and bringing them into his family. And it is my belief through just experience, not, nothing, nothing more than that, that how you came up is how you view God. For me, God is an adopted father for the lost because I was adopted and lost. For someone else, God would be different. But for me, since I grew up lost and grew up adopted at 14, God is the God who adopts the loss into God's family. And he's everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> with, with that, he, he's everywhere. Like, well, what you just said as far as the adopted part, well, my on my part, because like, when my dad stepped out on us at an early age and decided to go on his own path, that left me as the only male. So when people would step into my life and tell me things and I knew that mattered or I knew that was going to help me in the future, I knew that was God. Like I didn't look at them as that person. I didn't look at them as Miss Joanne Walker. I looked at that person as God for that simple fact that that person did not know me but understood everything that I was feeling and actually what I was thinking at that particular moment. And if that person stepped in and, and, and helped me in that, that's how I viewed that person. Because at that time, I needed to either hear that or I needed, to, I needed somebody to correct me in that. Because my mindset was, I'm going to do it this way because this way has gotten me this far. And this is the only way that I know how to do it. And then when they came along and told me, hey, you could do it this way, but it's another little way. You know what I'm saying? You tweak this here and work this out. Then it'll be better for you. And then I go out and I try it. And therefore, hey, man, that made it a little bit better for me 
I'm more interested. I need to go find this. I need to go find this Miss Joanne Walker. And I'm speaking of Miss Joanne Walker because I was having a conversation earlier. It was a she's actually a coach's mother, and that coach's mother helped me in different phases of my life. You know what I'm saying? While I was in high school and while I was in college, but I looked at the lady as an angel. You understand what I'm saying? Because she knew she knew everything I was doing, man. I'm talking about to the T. I ain't, I'm talking about the dirty, deep down stuff you, nobody knew you was doing. She knew I was doing that. I, after class, she pulled me, because I took her for in the classroom. She was a sub. Long, you know, hey, man, hey, y'all don't need to act. Y'all don't need to treat that lady. If there was your mom up there, your grandma, you wouldn't treat her like that. She made me stay after class. She said, Reginald, I don't need your help. What I need you to stop doing is selling weed in the school. Uh, wait a minute. Jesus. <laughs> wait a minute. How did you... How did you know? You understand what I'm saying? This is the first time. This is my first time ever seeing her. And ever since then, she was she, we was real close. And she told me some real stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's how I knew because you can get it from a TV show. You can get it from something you read. You can get it from your kid. You could be passing by your kid can say something or repeat something, and it was right what you needed. Then that was. But that's just how you view fear. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have. Fear. The only fear I had was my dad. The only fear I had is he gonna is he gonna punch me in my chest today because I made a beat. It's the only fear that I had. You know, I didn't have a fear of God because I really didn't get taught that much about God. I'll go to church. I'll go to Sunday school. I was a kid. I'm worrying about that. All I wanted was a juice and cookie. The only thing I wanted at the end of the day was them juice and them cookies. You know what I'm talking about? The cookies with the little moon man on it, with the little shoes and a little red punch. That's all I wanted. I ain't really wasn't, you know, I was listening to the little stories, but sometimes the stories was too overwhelming. You got a giant and a little boy, and hey, man, that's too much for me at eight. You understand what I'm saying? But when you got older, that stuff you remember, and then, you know, that, that, that fear factor come in, like, okay, man, if I, don't, if I don't have nothing to be scared of, then I can have a relationship. So I just wanted to chime in on that. Shout out to Miss Joanne oh, Walker. Thank you. All right. Shout out to Ms. Joanne Walker. Yeah, <laughs> who Joanne else would Walker. like to speak on it? <laughs> uh, who else? Oh, go ahead, Mr. Phil. Well, if you didn't fear God, you didn't read any of the Old Testament. That was I didn't read one that. big dude. I didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't read it. I told you, I just wanted the juice and cookies, Phil. That's all I wanted. You read the Old Testament, you're gonna fear God because God was a bad mamma jamma. He, he took people out without even thinking about it. So, but then he had a kid, and then he became a better guy. Yeah. So, aren't we all better because we've had haven't our kids made us better people? I know mine has. But if you want to learn yeah. to see a great movie, and I mentioned this earlier, defending your life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. And they come, you get to go to Judgment Cities and they look at your life. And there's only one reason why you're down here. And that's a deal with fear. And if you learn to deal with fear right, you get to move on to something else. If not, you gotta keep coming down here until you learn to deal with that one issue. But it's one of my favorite movies. It's called Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. But you're also talking about Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. Western philosophy, they needed to put, you needed to have a translator, quote unquote, the church that you need to pay money to so they would connect you with God. 
Eastern philosophy is namaste, the God in me honors the God in you. And that's why there was a fear, they had to have God be fearful because you needed somebody to help you connect with him, Western philosophy. Eastern philosophy, you need to work on yourself because the God is in you, you just need to understand that God and manifest it. All right. Thank you very much, Phil. You're right. Because in, in that, <laughs> in that old testament, he was something else. Now that much I knew. Because we heard all the stories. That's how Noah's Ark came to be. He was like, I'm tired of y'all. Just wipe them all out. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, what's his name? Wife turned back and turned into a pillar of salt, pillar of salt after she was told not to. Like, I know the story. So yeah, he was he was. He was a bad man, Jamma. He really was. But we he's want to open fairness. it up to who? Huh? Yeah, he still gave him something to eat. Yeah, he sure did. And he had a sense of humor. Uh, you don't want to eat this here. Well, uh, you want to complain, you eat this here meat. But after you eat this meat, you you, you out of there. <laughs> uh, he did have a sense. I tell people all the time, I honestly believe God has a sense of humor. And after reading this, after oh, yeah, reading all the time. these books, I'm sitting there like, man, we got God all wrong. <laughs> all the way wrong. So Reverend Reginald, you can repeat what you read earlier for those who just joined us and so we can get their thoughts on it as well. Uh, well, the bold print says, I was always taught to fear God and I only read two sentences. And the first two, it said, I know. And you have been paralyzed in your relationship with me ever since. It was only when you stopped fearing me that you could create any kind of meaningful, meaningful relationship with me. And that's why I stopped it. But I think that as we continue to talk, we kind of covered everything that was in along in that little, little part right there, though. I agree. Yeah. I do agree. So who... Who else... Does anyone else have something that they would like to say about that? Like once you, once you released, once you stopped fearing God, you were able to create any kind of meaningful relationship with him. Who else can, can, can would like to speak on that and give your, either your personal experience or just your thoughts on releasing fear and creating that relationship with God? The floor is open. All right. Well, if not, we can move on to the next one. Now, you you brought that part up. So, and so I'm going to read down a little further because further it says that means you must be fearless enough to drop what you think you know about God. You must be fearless enough to step away from what others have told you about God. You must be so fearless that you can dare to enter into your own experience with God. And then at the bottom, at the very, very bottom, it says, and then you must not feel guilty about it. When you, when your own experience is violating what you thought you knew and what everyone else has told you about God, you must not feel guilty. Fear and guilt are the only enemies of man. Now, this whole part to me extends beyond just our relationship with God. When we are fearless enough to drop what we think we know about 
a person, a place, or a thing when we are fearless enough to step away from what others have told us about a person, place, or thing, or entrepreneurs, because pretty much majority of everyone on here is an entrepreneur. Just about everyone on here is an entrepreneur. So that means you must you must be fearless enough to drop what you think you know about entrepreneurship in order for you to have any type of relationship with entrepreneurship. You must be fearless enough to step away from what others have told you about entrepreneurship. And you must be so fearless that you can dare to enter into your own experience of entrepreneurship. And then you must not feel guilty about it. When your own experience is violating what you thought you knew and what everyone else has told you about entrepreneurship, you must not feel guilty. So we can we can apply this to pretty much everything from relationships to jobs to anything that we want to do because every time we want to do something that's outside of the norm that that others think they know more about if we just move out of what they tell us and go and learn for our own just imagine how great it will be. So I would like I would I would love someone else to pin on what they think about fear and guilt are the only enemies of man. Mm-hmm. Antonio said fear is the opposite of God. Not evil. Fear is the opposite of God, not evil. So is there anything that anyone else would like to speak on about that? If not, we will go ahead and move on to the next area. All right. So I'm going to move to page 314. We're still in chapter one, page 314. And it's one, two, three, four, five, like it's the sixth paragraph. And it says, I am always giving you what is best for you, though I admit that you may not always know it. I want to present a case, the worst possible thing that has ever happened to you in your life. is actually what is best for you. Though God won't admit that we may not always know it. When you are at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, and it is like you feel like, okay, this is it, I've hit rock bottom. What God is actually doing is he is giving you what is best for you. There is a, um, I can't remember his name right now, but one of his teachers said he was going through a lot. He took on a position at his church. He was going to school full time. His wife uh, was, they decided that his wife would be a stay-at-home mom because they just had a kid. And he was going through a lot in his position, going to school, trying to study. He had a lot going on. 
and he was sitting in the back of class and he just remembered his teacher waking him up and everybody being gone and he was and he if I remember correctly he was like he was at the end of his ropes he was ready to just quit everything and just let everything go and his teacher told me said God what what we experience in life and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember it verbatim but he he said that his teacher told him what we experience in life is the easiest how did he say it thank you the pain that we go to it's the easiest pain for us to go through because it could be worse and that's grace so when i read this i was like that makes sense because we always we we quote from the bible uh, everything works for our good and, and we quote it all the time but do we actually know what it means like if you've ever been in a car accident and you're like this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me you were majorly injured or the car was totaled out and you know you can't afford a new car no like whatever happened it was literally the easiest it was the easiest or the, the least amount of pain that God could get, that God would give you for him to be able to do what he needed to do for you because it could have been worse. Like it really, so what we think is our worst pain is actually God's grace and mercy. And, it, it, and it's happening to us for the best. And we don't ever see it. We don't ever see it that way. But when I sit back and I think about it, I'm like, okay, so the worst thing that has ever happened to me, what came out of it? What did I learn from it? I either learned what I didn't want, learned what I, I did want, or learned what I needed for me to move forward in something. It taught me the cycles that I've been going through so I can break those cycles so I can move forward. It taught me what to release, what to learn, what to, you know, so I would love someone else's perspective on, on that when he said, and this is God talking to, to Neil. He said, I'm always giving you what is best for you, though I admit that you may not always know it. I would love someone else's perspective on that, on, on that line. And the floor is open. I actually will speak on that. This is Lynette. Go ahead. Um, so just going back, I was listening to everything y'all are saying. And I'm actually, I come from a Christian background as well. Um, and my thing is, I would see that God brings you through things so you can understand later in life. So sometimes we look at it as pain, but God is birthing you during the process. So while he's birthing you in the process, he's becoming, you're becoming a better person and he's renewing you at the same time. So where you're weak, that's where he makes you strong. So when we look at it as pain, it's really God kind of stretching you to your max to greatness. So that's what I take into that to where it's pain at the time, but at the end of the result is greatness. 
So like the, the when you're your weakest and when you've had bad experiences, now you can look back at it and be like, it didn't break me. It made me stronger. It gave me courage. It enlightened me. And now I can teach on that or now I can go into that new thing that he was bringing you out of because now you've already overcome that. So that's how, that's my view on it. All right, Miss Lynette, thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. And I do agree with you when you look back on the most painful point um, on some of the most painful times you're like man I actually got through it and in the process this is what I learned so now I can teach somebody else how to get through it I tell people all the time you can't have a testimony unless you go through the test it's kind of hard to tell people I did it if you didn't do it so <laughs> Reverend Reginald go ahead uh, <laughs> go ahead it just, it just reminded me of what I said earlier because it's how you train your brain. It's how you train your thought process. Not even your brain. It's how you train your thought process. Because I told you, when I was in my green pasture stage, which is punishment, okay, my green pasture, yeah, see, yeah. Did you catch that? Did you, did, did you, the green pasture stage was my punishment. When I went into and already said, this is not a punishment, that's when things start getting on the brighter side. Now, if I would have came into the situation talking about this is punishment for something that I did wrong, how would my stay been on the green pasture side? What would I would have learned if I would have looked at it as a punishment? What would I look at if it was a hurting, a painful situation? All it did was made me better. He did have to tell me to get up one time because I thought I was just going to sleep through the whole time. But he said, get up because those people over there I need you to tell him something. And once I got up and told him people what he wanted me to tell him, it started a spark. And then everybody that was in there, because we was in a place, everybody was in the green pasture, but these green pastures had some bars. You understand what I'm saying? They also had some supervision there that kept us in line in the bars. And the conversation that we had was so peaceful that it made the time more easier. And we realized that, hey, this is what we realized, real talk. We realized that we surrendered. I didn't hear no amen, no hallelujah, nothing. Because what's the first thing you got to do? What's the first thing you got to do? You got to surrender. You have to surrender. Now, here's the joke part. Here's where you had a sense of humor. Now, we, some of us uh, had to surrender by a way we didn't want to surrender, okay? Surrender, freeze, you're under arrest. <laughs> you didn't want to surrender that way, but hey, you surrender. That means, hey, man, I'm tired of doing what I'm doing. That's This is what we was telling them. Hey, man, I'm tired of doing what I was doing, and I'm ready to make a different way. And when we all look like that, man, we had the time of our lives, man. And that's, that's one thing I want to share. When you look at a situation like that, it's, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. When you got to go into correction, when somebody got a correction, when somebody got to tell you to do something that you have not been doing, if you look at it in a different way, you'll have different results. I'm on mute. All right. Yes, sir, Mr. Phil. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, another way of looking at this, and I've shared this before with the group, so maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Uh, I picked up the phone one day and I had my client says, I'm ready to kill myself. I'm at the bridge and I'm ready to jump. I said, great. 
he went great. Now, by the way, this is the Holy Spirit working through me. This isn't me. This is, I knew this was not my stuff. So I opened myself up and said, just let it come. He said, great. He said, Phil, I'm serious. I'm ready to kill myself. I'm standing on the bridge right now and I'm ready to jump. And you're, now you tell me it's great. I go, yeah. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you're pretty low right now. He says, I'm the lowest I've ever been. I said, great, you can bounce back from here. This can be your bottom. You got a wife that loves you. You've got a five-year-old son as one of the coolest based carbon-based life forms I've been around. Your staff understands your bipolar. By the way, have you taken your meds? He goes, no. I go, well, see, there's your problem. You haven't taken your meds. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're down right now, aren't you? He says, I'm as low as I can be. I said, so you're at your bottom. He says, yeah. I said, I want you to look down. See that concrete down there? He goes, yeah. I said, that can be your bottom. I don't think you're going to bounce back from them. So I would suggest you raise your bottom. Is this your bottom here and you're going to bounce back from this? Crawl back over the railing and get in the car? Or is your bottom going to be down there and you're not going to bounce back from that bottom? It's your choice. So a lot of us, we have to raise our bottoms. Some people's bottom is, I only got $100 in my checking account. That's my bottom. Other people's bottom is they got to be arrested and put in jail to find their bottom. So one of the things I suggest for everybody, raise your bottom. Well, all right. Mr. Phil always drops nuggets. Raise your bottom. Raise your bottom. That's a hit. That's a hit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hit. Raise your bottom. Raise your bottom. That's a hit. You need to record it. <laughs> raise your bottom. But raise this, your bottom. This, seriously, though, like raise your bottom. Uh, so raise your bottom. Because when you raise your bottom, you raise your ceiling too. Like you do them, you do them both at the same time. Thank you very, very much, Mr. Phil. There's something else that you said in there that I want everyone to catch. You said this wasn't me. I knew this wasn't my thing. I just looked. At, I knew it was the Holy Spirit, so I let go. When that happens, guys, just let it take over. You don't try to control it. Don't try to understand it. Because in that moment, if Phil had not just let go, it's not telling what would happen. And the and in the process of that, Phil was still Phil. He said, "You know, you have a great team. They know you're bipolar. By the way, have you taken your medicine today?" Like he understood all of this, so he let he let God use him to help someone else. So when that person, and that goes back to. I am always giving you what is best for you. Though I admit that you may not always know it. That was what was best for Phil at the time. He may not have known it. That was what was best for that guy at the time that Phil was talking to. And that guy didn't know it. But it, it let Phil know who he was and how he represented himself. Because if someone is willing to go out on a limb and just give it all up and they called you, don't take that too lightly. Raise your bottom. Thank you, Mr. Phil. Thank you very much. Is there anything anybody else would like to say about that? God told Neil, I am always giving you what is best for you, though I admit that you may not always know it. So I wanted to, I wanted to present it to, to you guys as in the worst possible scenario happens to you but it's for your best. 
And while you may think it's the worst possible thing for you, it's actually the easiest, most kindest, gentlest way that God can show his grace and his mercy to you because it could have been worse. Like that, the whole, when you think of it that way, the whole, there's always someone that has it worse than you. It's actually factual <laughs> if you really think about it. But it's actually factual. But think of it also this way. If there's always someone that has it worse than you, that means that you didn't need that lesson that hard. If that makes sense. Like, the worst possible thing that could happen is your car getting crashed into. So your car gets crashed into, but you're still alive. Your car's still functioning. You don't have to, you don't have to pay, get a new car. You don't have to pay a new car note. All you had, you only, and the person who hit your car had car insurance. So you don't have to come out of pocket for anything. And that's the worst possible thing that could happen to you. But you learned from that particular instance, leave the house sooner. Leave the house sooner. Take your time. Don't rush up to the stoplight. Edge up to the stoplight. Don't shove on your brakes. Don't cut in front of somebody. That's the best. That was actually the best thing for you to get in that car accident. Because if you didn't learn from that, you could have actually done even more damage by killing yourself or somebody else or causing a three-way car act. Like it's there's no telling. You could have gotten, you could have been rushing to something and hurt somebody else. Like there's so much. There's so very much <laughs> that, that could happen. So I would love someone else's. Go ahead, Mr. Phil. Wherever you are in life, somebody's had it worse and made it, and somebody's had it better and blown it. Yes, sir. Definitely. So is there is there anyone else who would like to speak on that? The, the floor is open. And please, this is a safe place. So don't think that you may say something that's weird or anything like that. Trust me, you're right at home. So please feel free to speak on, like, share your thoughts with us. Okay, you twist my arm. You got me. <laughs> hey, Anthony, go ahead. Well, two things. First and foremost, I'm a true believer. Nothing just happened. You may not understand it when you're going through it at the time, but further down the line, Lord, stay the same. You will, how the books, good books say, it was glad that I had been afflicted. I look back personally over my life and see where he brought me from, and I surprise myself sometimes. And I know it was nothing but the good Lord who brought me through. First thing, I have a dear friend. He, got, he was on his way to a job interview. He had been down. He finally got a job interview, and he, he didn't even have a vehicle. He was catching a bus. He had so much bad luck that he thought at the time, because he had got hit by a car. It wasn't major, but he didn't make his interview. And that was his key. What else could happen to him? He get a surgery. He found out he had cancer. But... They caught it right in time. But the moral story, hadn't he had that accident, it could have spread it and he would have been there. He wouldn't have to worry about a job. And me personally, myself, as my experience, 
I have done a lot of things that I'm not so proud of. I've done some things that I can't even believe I've done. But I've done it, but that's not me. So that's why I never put nothing past anyone else. When someone tell you something, believe them. But I have been through some things in, 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 in relationships. And I know I, the young lady right now that I'm about to marry, I tell her. And I tell her the truth. I say, you may hear a lot of things about me, a lot of bad things. I say, and 99% of it going to be true. I said, most of our probably don't. My family is going to tell it all. Y'all sitting around drinking. They're going to tell it. So I warned her. And I said, I, I probably done it, but that's what I've done. But that's not me. But I say that to say this here, because I call all the, I got nine kids, eight grandkids. And I call my, I call, I call my the people I've been through, because I know I was a dog. When I say a dog, I was, I was off a leash. I was out there. I mean, I did them wrong, but it wasn't no fun when the rabbit hit the gun either. Now, it reversed on me too. But the moral story is, I would never do any woman or any person the way I have done people in my past. And the, the young lady I'm going to marry now, I look at her with all the respect in the world. And I mean, because I was so slick, man. You know, I'd be laying up with you and I'm, a, I'm, on, I'm on the phone talking to someone else, talking to my cousin or something. But I, I just would never do that. But God told me, she the one. I had to take you through what I took you through to make you appreciate a woman. Because you're going to run through, you're going to get something good and you're going to lose it. And maybe I have lost something good before. I don't know. I can't turn back the hands of time. But I tell you what, I'm not living in the past. And I thank God. I tell people, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And I told you I've done some things that I ain't so proud of. I wouldn't change my life for nothing because it made me a better person. Now that I look back, because I look, I look at my girl with love, and you could put a hundred women, forgive my language, asshole naked around me, and I wouldn't touch you. But back then, shit. But I'm a better man. I'm a better man. You know, I've sold drugs. I've used drugs right now. I wouldn't touch it. If I go broke, I wouldn't touch it. I just wouldn't do it because it's not the way. It's like I said, it's how you do anything. It's how you do everything. And and when, like I said, when I was hurting people, how they do say hurt people, hurt people? That's true. See, we say that, but we don't understand it when we're going through it. Because, you know, we've been taught to say the right things. But when you get older, like I said, if God lets you get older, life won't teach you something. I don't care if you want to teach you something or not. If you listen, it's going to teach you something. So I just say nothing just happens. We may not understand it now. But you will understand it later. And I say that because you was talking about God knows what's best for you. You may not understand it now, but you will later. I remember I lost my job. I remember I, I was doing good. I was making almost 30 some dollars an hour. I mean, I was bald. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about God. Oh, I think we lost you, Anthony. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. I think we lost you, Anthony. Yeah, we lost you because I just saw you mute and unmute and we still can't hear you. But I do. Okay. I got big news when you come back. So uh, log out and call back in and see if that helps. All right. But thank you. So you heard Anthony. He said he said 
out of touch because he had he has expressed to us some of the things that he has been through some of the things that he has um some of the things that he has Hello? been through some of the things that he oh there you go okay all right i'm sorry i was about to say the, my last child I had, I was working for a public service. I make about thirty-eight dollars an hour. You, I get paid thousand, thousand some dollars a week. You couldn't tell me I wanted a man. Like I said, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't doing nothing. I had a, a girlfriend and a wife on the side. So anyway, I, she had the baby. I was in the hospital. I said, I'm gonna go take a leave of absence. I go up there to take a leave of absence. Oh, you got a leave of absence? All right. They fired me. They fired me. I mean, I got a, a brand new baby laying up in the hospital and I come to get a leave of absence and I get fired. And I'm thinking like, what are you going to do now? I said, oh my God. I said, wow. I didn't even know how to break it to the young lady at the time. You know, I just remember going back to the room, looking at my baby and you know, being grateful and thankful. Don't get me wrong. But she's like, what's wrong? I got in the bed. I was like, wow. I'm like, because I'm the breadwinner. How am I going to break this news? What are we going to do? How am I going to pay my rent, our bills, whatever? So I never forget, I finally broke it down to her. And then I, you know, we talked about it, whatever. And I had this friend. And I come think of it, you know, I always think about it because I don't think about a lot of the past. I was homeless. I remember stay, I stayed with him. I slept on this floor. And he took me to this church. And I used to go to church with him all the time. Then he used to tell me, he said, man, I want to praise God like you praise God. But you know what? I think I was praying because I was going through something. So I tell people sometimes it's like a, a, a hospital. We all go to hospital for different reasons, but some some people you can go in there for a toothache and put like this. If someone get a, a head shot, they gonna go before you. Some people need to get to the doctor before more than you. So the pastor always, this particular pastor always at the end of the service, he's like to shake people's hands and you know welcome to the church. When I got up to him, he shook my hand and he held my hand. He said, "You're not working." I said, "Huh?" He said, you're not working. I was like, wow, I kind of felt like, I don't know if I was embarrassed or what. I was like, but I was like, no, I'm not. And uh, he called someone over there. He said, I want you to get him a job. And uh, make a long story short, he got me a job as a limo driver. Never drove limos before, but I, got, I drove a limo. Driving a limo, I met a millionaire. Didn't even know he was a millionaire. Long story short, to this day, I'm still friends with this millionaire. I made way more money than I was making then. I go to church. I serve God. He turned around. But at the time, how could you tell me that this is a blessing for me? I just lost my job and got a baby. But you don't understand it when you're going through it then. And I'm so glad that I didn't do like some people, cuss God out when they in the trial of the fire. I stuck with him. I didn't understand it. I kept going to church. I got baptized again at that church. I became a deacon at that church. I'm a minister at another church. And like I say, I wouldn't change my life for nothing, but I didn't want to go through it. If at the time if I was going through it, you say, do you want to change it? I probably would have changed it then, but he brought me out. If you just keep your faith and trust, not when everything is going your way, trust him in the midst of the storm, because you don't need faith when you know you got a, a, a fat bank account, how you going to pay your rent. It's when you don't know when you're going to pay your rent. When you lost your job right now, when these people are dropping dead, and I keep telling people, they keep talking about how many people passed away. I said, those are souls. Y'all looking at it like numbers. That's somebody crying. That's somebody, uncle, daddy, auntie. Those are souls. But yet, you are still here. You got a purpose. You better go live your life. Every day you wake up, you better live your life like it's the last day because one day is going to be your last day.
Thank you. Anthony? Wow. Anthony? Yes, sir. Are you a reader? Yes. There's a book called Getting the Love You Want, written by a pastoral psychologist, gets his doctorate degree in marriage counseling, and then finds himself going through a divorce. He wow. goes, I failed as a preacher, I failed as a counselor, I failed as a husband, and then he writes this book. Mm. My wife and I read it after being married for 23 years, and it took our marriage to a better place. So when I hear somebody's either in a relationship, just getting out of a relationship, just getting in a relationship, I recommend this book. So when I heard that you had a fiance, I recommend it highly. Getting Thank you. the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. Let me um, rewrite that down. Could you say that one more time? Sure. Tell me when you're ready. Uh, uh, hold on. I'm ready. Na, 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 na. I'm ready. <laughs> Getting uh -huh. the love you want. Okay. By Harville, H-A-R-V-I-L-L-E, Hendricks. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, Mr. Anthony Lee. Yes, ma'am. Antonio, Antonio and I want to send you a huge congratulations on your engagement to Miss Asani. Sending both of you hugs. Congratulations. I was so excited. Thank for you. you. <laughs> and it happened today. So everyone, let's unmute our mics and just congratulate Mr. Anthony Lee and Mr. Sonny. Tell her that we said congratulations and give her a hug for it. Like seriously, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you all. I told her she's listening. Yay, we, we got the opportunity. She's absolutely awesome and amazing. The, the sweetest person. So congratulations to both of you. Definitely looking forward to coming out and hanging and hanging out with you guys again. <laughs> it's only said again. So congratulations to both of you, sending you both lots of love and lots of hugs as well. So congratulations. Okay. <laughs> I'm super excited for you. All right. So thank you, Anthony. Thank you so much for your transparency. Thank you very much. And and I was saying uh, right before you you logged back on, I was telling everyone, you know, like you say, you you've shared with us some of the things that you've done and that you've been through. And you and you were like, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world because it made me who it made me who I am today. It showed me how to appreciate more. It showed me it showed me this, it showed me that basically it was the best thing for you, whereas you didn't think it was at the time, but now looking back on it, it's like, yeah, that was the, the best thing for me. I can sit here and tell you <laughs> some of the craziest stuff and be like, but I wouldn't change it because if I had not experienced it, I wouldn't be where I am today. If I hadn't gone through certain things, I wouldn't be where, I'm at, where I am today. I wouldn't be who I'm with today. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't, I, there's a lot, everything that I am today, I would not be if it had not been for the things that I'd gone through. So God, the things that we go through, God actually does know what is best for us. We just have to be open and willing to learn and accept and understand that that was literally the easiest 
most loving way for God to show to to guide us to where he needs us to be for him to work through us that was him showing grace and mercy because it it could have been worse i can't begin to imagine how many times i've taken my son to the emergency room and he came out it could have been worse i can't even begin i went into the emergency room it could have been worse but it taught me a lesson it taught me what I didn't want and what I did want. So who who else would like to express what they feel about, I am always giving you, when God told Neil, I am always giving you what is best for you, though I admit you may not always know it. And the floor is open. Oh, Dr. Uh, Sugar, if you hit star six, you should be able to unmute yourself. There oh, you go. can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, ma'am. You can hear me now? Okay, I'm not going to have but a second or two because I've got a, a 7.30. But I just wanted to, um, you know, make a comment on the little bit that I did hear because I was driving. But being raised in the Baptist church, which I, I love the Baptist church and, and all of that, but there was so much that I saw, so much that I heard that, um, you know, I didn't have the kind of relationship at that point in time with God because of so much that was going on. However, when I got to California and I was an adult, and I got out of the Baptist church and ended up going to, uh, you know, getting spirit filled, filled with the spirit and, and uh, uh, salvation and, and all of that. My view on God changed because I had an opportunity to be taught that even though the things that happened to me, the things that I did, all of it, I was forgiven. But growing up, I wasn't ever taught that I was forgiven, you know, that all of that is washed away. I didn't, wasn't taught that I was a new creature in Christ. So as growing up and being able to see how God really loved me, it still took quite a few years and lots more drugs and everything else to be able to, to this day, be able to say, I love me. God loves me. And that there's no sin that I could commit. There's no sin that I committed that God would not ever forgive me for. And that was why all the five suicide attempts, because I didn't love myself and nor was I being taught how much God really loved me. So I just wanted to share that. I've got to run, but I just wanted to share that with everyone that um, it's good to know knowledge because the word does say my people perish because of lack of knowledge and i was perishing i was down deep very deep but today it's a whole different situation and i thank and praise god i thank and praise god for all of y'all at ats universities and i do have to run thank you all right Thank you, Dr. Trask. Thank you very much. Be safe.
Be safe out, out there. Touching on bodies. Be safe. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much for your transparency. Thank you very much. And you actually touched on something we talked about earlier regarding our fear. Um, how fear, once we release the fear, how it changed our relationship with God. So thank you very much for your transparency. And who else? Is there anyone else who has anything that they would like to say? If not, Reverend Reginald, does, was there something that stood out to you that you would like to point out to our our family today? I think I ran out of words. <laughs> I'm just I'm just here listening. All right. Real quick, I'm sorry. I just want to pick it back off what the young lady just talked. The young lady just got the phone. Yes, please. And that's what that's what people got to realize too. There is nothing you did to earn salvation. There's nothing you did. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to make them take it back. You got to understand, it's not about you. See, most people they keep forgetting. They think it's about you or them. No, it's not about you, boo boo. This is God. God gonna have His way. You can't get yourself in enough trouble that God leave you hanging. Now, it may hurt. Sometimes it may. Have you ever had a kid? You know, so you got to do something. And I say, this, once again, I speak from experience. And I would, I can imagine myself saying what I'm about to say maybe five years ago or six years ago. My son was doing so much dirt and being so much, doing so much shit in the street. I tried to have him locked up. I wanted to get him locked up before he ended up getting killed or killing somebody. Now, you may say, well, why would you have him locked up? Because of the life he was living. But he wouldn't understand it. Daddy, why would you want to send me to jail? Because I know where you're going. You want, you going to jail or you going to hell? Make a long story short, once again, he ended up catching a Tim murder. But he got up, by the grace of God, he's, to me, he still got off good. He just got out. He's been out, what, two, three weeks now? Changed man. Changed man. But had he been doing, and he been going back and forth to jail, you know, Come, come, you know, breaking people's cars, spray painting, come pick them up, come pick them up. When they got so bad, I told I said, I ain't coming to pick them up no more. Oh, well, Mr. Lee, we're going to lock you up. That's child abandonment. I said, well, you might as well be on your way. I'm not. But the, once again, the moral story is sometimes we don't understand. We think God is punishing us. He's mad at us. But if you trust him, just like if you would trust me, I could have, he could have avoided that situation. But unfortunately, he had to see that. Now, I ain't got to worry about him being out there. He run from trouble because he, he don't want to go back. But once again, that's experience. But bottom line, we got to learn and trust him. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Anthony. Thank you very much. It, we may not think at that time it's the best for us but it always turns out to be the best for us when i tell you <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it the greatest thing that i've ever learned having Antonio as a mentor, being in his tutelage from the books that he has had me to read, even though I fought him on reading them, some of them I still have not finished reading and he knows it and I need to stop doing that. 
but most importantly, what I learned from him about God. And reading this book, and I'm grateful that he added this book to the integrity leadership class because once upon a time I told him, I was like, how, like, I want to read the Bible like a story. Because I, but my whole point was I wanted to understand God. Like, I wanted, I wanted to understand God, how he thought, who he was. And now that I've read conversations with God, and when I tell you, it has thrown my brain for a loop because there are certain things that he says that I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you know, I got to sit back for a second and be like, hold on, hold what you got. But then some of them are like, okay, that confirms that for me. That makes so much sense. Oh, that gives me so much clarity. This was God this was what was best for us where we may not see it but it is i asked for something god gave it to me in several different ways and i still didn't catch it so what did he do he put me in a position that i was nervous to be in just to answer the question that i asked him who are you i'm teaching the integrity leadership class along with reginald but to me, it's always been an Antonio class. It's always been an Antonio teaching. It's always been an Antonio thing because he's qualified to teach this. He's capable. He has the credentials. But this was, this was God's way of telling me, or this, this was the best thing for me because he's answering a question for me. He's forcing me. He, he, he guided me to a book that I probably would have taken forever to even pick up had it not been for this integrity leadership class. Excuse me. And I probably would have only read the first book. And I probably would have only read a part of the first book. So everything that happens to us, from, from, from what he's saying here in Conversations with God, everything that happens to us is the best thing for us. We just don't see it. So when you think that the world is crumbling down on you, remove, release your fear of God and go and talk to him. Have a conversation with him. Because it's in those conversations that he answers your questions. It's in those, because if you, if you have a conversation correctly, you speak, that person is quiet and they're listening to you. And then when you have completed what you had to say, you sit quietly and you listen to what the other person has to say. So when you're having a conversation with God, when you tell him, God, look, I got questions. Because what happened was Neil just sat down and started writing a letter. Like he was just, he was just vomiting all over the paper how he felt. And when he was done, when he was in a position of listening, God said, okay, you ready? I got your answers. If you really want, like, do you want me to answer your questions? Or were you just venting? Let me know which one it was so I can know what kind of conversation we're having. When you're having a conversation with God, you need to put yourself in a position where once you finish talking, you sit and you listen so you can hear what he has to say. I can tell you there's been a many a times God has spoken to me and I didn't listen. 
Deanna, go back home. Man, what you talking about? I'm not doing that. Whole plan I'm out here is to get away from there. Deanna, it's time to go back home. I'm not doing it. This, this is me having an actual conversation with God. Deanna, my child, I know you hard-headed. I'm giving this to you in the easiest way I can. You gonna make it worse for yourself. You ask me a question and I'm telling you the answer. The answer is go back home. Well, I'm not satisfied with your answer. So I'm gonna do it my way because I'm not going back home. He got me to a point. It, I got me to a point. Right, not to my stomach. Dreaming about whatever the job I was on in my sleep, doing all of this. The one thing I feared the most happened. I could not see my son, spend time with my son, and I just had him. That was the best thing for me. I didn't see it at the time, but it was the best thing for me. Because I didn't move when he told me to move the first time. He gently did it the first few times. He just spoke to me, say, hey, you know, go ahead. It's time for you to move back home. I ain't doing that. He did it in the most kindest, most loving way that he could. And I didn't listen. So he allowed me to move myself to a position of discomfort to a point where I was in enough discomfort to actually listen to what he was telling me. And when I did, my life changed. You may not always think it is, but God always gives us what's best for us. He always does what's best for us. We just don't see it. I didn't think coming back home was the best thing for me. When you run away, you have to go back to where you started so you can build back up sometimes. And that's always the hardest thing for us to do when you're running away from something. So stop running and listen. If he tell you to go back, go back. If he tell you to stay still, stay still. But God always does what's best for us. We just don't see it. Reverend Reagan, I like running. Do you have any? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I like running. I love running. Running gets you in shape. <laughs> for one, running gets you in shape. Number two, I like doing things against the grain anyway, because I know I'm going to learn something in the, in the long run anyway. I'm going to go against the grain because that's me. I know that's me. I don't need people telling me that. I know what I'm going to do for. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it anyway. Point blank, period. You can tell me what you're going to tell me, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and then that's it. Then I get down on my knees. And after I get down on my knees, then I'm going to go do what he tell me to do. Point blank, period. But I have to go do that. I have to go the other way. How else am I, I going to help anybody if I don't go the other way? If I keep going where it's all good, it ain't going to be able to help nobody. It ain't going to be all good all the time. When it gets too easy, I got to go. I can't be around easy. Easy ain't the way for me. It ain't going to never be the way for me. I got to make it hard. I'm hard. I have to go that direction. I know that's me. I know, I know that's, I, hey, there's, there's no other way. They say, don't go over there. Reggie going over there. Why we can't go over there? What you mean we can't go over there? Why we, what, what, what's wrong? What's, 
What's wrong with over there? Over there ain't so bad. But it ain't meant for me to stay over there. I mean, I, I listen to the conversations. I listen to everything. I, I like the way Mr. Uh, the young man spoke earlier today. Well, I, I love him. And it, he, I, I love what, what, Where you at? Where you at? Mr. Anthony Lee? Anthony. I love you. Yeah. I love you, sir. I love you, sir. I love the way you talk. I can I listen to you too, all. I can listen to you all day long. Because I love <laughs> authenticness. That's right. I love it. That's the only way I can grow, and that's the only way I can eat. That's the only way. If you can't give it to me like that, don't serve it to me. I don't want that platter. I'm going to knock it off the tray. I'm going to knock Amen. it off the table because I don't want it. I want it raw. I want it uncut. Stab me a couple of times. You say wrestle with God, we're going to wrestle. We're going to be in there wrestling all night. I believe that was me. I don't even think that was the angel. That was me wrestling. If y'all ever read that story, that was me. I was wrestling with him. So that's what I like to do. I like to wrestle with him. Point blank. Because I know at the end, he's going he gonna to heal them wounds. Because he know I'm wounded. Point blank, period. I, I love listening. Sometimes I don't even want to say nothing. I just want to. I just want to listen. Period. I've been eating every jewel that come out. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> I'm like signing the heads all. I'm taking every ring. <laughs> I'm talking while I'm running as fast as I possibly can. I'm gonna take every ring that I possibly can get because I know that ring gonna get me to my next destination. That's it. That's all I got to say. Receive right. it. That's right. Receive that. Cause sometimes, hey man, sometimes, 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 man, people be saying, look, sometimes when somebody that usually talks and talks strong, sit back and listen, they need help, man. Some people don't like to sit up there and sign no siren saying they need help. Because the people that's around them should know that they need help. You understand what I'm saying? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah, six, six, three hundred some pounds don't mean them. But sometimes that person ain't gonna sit up there and say, I need help. You gotta watch them. You love them, don't you? You want the best for them, don't you? Call out to them, man. It mean a lot to them. It mean a whole lot to them. That's it. But see, that's what I'm saying, and I agree with you too. See, people, and, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm God-fearing, but, you know, we get these fake Christians, man. Just fake God-fearing. You ain't got to be Christian, whatever. So how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Because they don't want to know. <laughs> they don't want to know. blessed and highly favored. That's that one. Yeah, that's the one. That's and don't the, know God. That's that one right there, boy. Yeah. See, want, they don't ever want to tell you the, the, the real testimony because, some people, I guess they don't want to feel vulnerable or whatever, but if you're going to be real, you have to because you'd be surprised somebody needs to hear that story. I have personally had people who kill themselves over women. And I, and I, and I was, and after the fact, I'd be, I'd be thinking like, if, had, if they had to talk to me, I would have told them at one point in time I wanted to kill myself over a woman. I couldn't eat. I can't sleep. But ask me how I do it now. I feel good. You, you look better going than you do coming. If you can make it without me, <laughs> I can make it without you. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yes, indeed. All right.
thank you, Anthony. Thank you for each and every one of you who was transparent this evening, who opened up this evening. Again, congratulations, Anthony Lee, to you and Ms. Asani. We're super excited about your engagement. Woo! Thank, thank you, Mr. Phil. Thank you, Ms. Lynette. Thank you, Ms. Susan. If there isn't anything else, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this evening for the Integrity Leadership Class. From the words of our founder, CEO, mentor, coach, Mr. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better, you can dominate. Thank each and every one of you for joining us, and we'll see you next week for the next four chapter, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight of book three. Thank you all so much for joining us. Good night. Good night, everyone.